This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Welcome along to a post-game special here on the Blood Red channel with the action on the pitch ending the excitement. Offit is only just getting started with the Reds seemingly close to sealing a potentially club record signing of Benfica forward Darwin Nunez. We've plenty to get into. Coming up, we'll hear from a couple of our Reds regulars here on post-game on the finale to the season, the potential arrival of Nunez and what other summer business they'd like to see concluded this summer. Joining myself, Guy Clark, we have Mike Holt from Going The Match Podcast and Owen Thomas from Cop On Podcast. Chaps, I hope you're both well. It's nice for us to get round and have a bit of a roundtable discussion uh, when obviously there isn't the football going on. Mike, how's uh, the end of the season or since the end of the season been treating you? Yeah, I think I think we needed all all needed a bit of a break to be honest. Um, I know my my liver definitely did from going to the amount of games at the end of the season. Um, it just almost felt like a roller coaster from maybe February onwards, didn't it? Um, I can almost imagine how the players felt at the same time. You know, with the fans, it was such a um, such a whirlwind to the end of the season. Um, I feel sorry for the players that have obviously got to go away and play the Nations League now because I know as a fan, I'm exhausted. So I can imagine the players must be equally. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I mean, it was that, it was sort of fact, wasn't it? A crazy kind of run of fixtures that I think from towards the end of February up until that week leading into the Champions League final that Liverpool did play every weekend and midweek. I mean, absolutely mammoth effort required from the players to deliver what they did in the end, the two trophies, it's it so nearly one point, one goal could have been four, couldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's too much to digest. I haven't, you know, it's only just sort of passed my throat area. I haven't even, you know, it hasn't even begun to go through the intestines yet. Um, it's absolutely, it was absolutely magnificent achievement to get so close to a quadruple. And, uh, you know, I don't really care what anyone from any, any, anywhere else says. Um, you know, I'm absolutely convinced that this is really up there with the very greatest Liverpool teams of all time, regardless of the last two matches and, and how they went, uh, which obviously resulted in us not winning either of the biggest trophies. But there's so much to enjoy about the... I mean, it, just April. I mean, how many games did we play in April? It was like... 10 or, or 11 games or something. We won them all. Klopp signed a new contract and that was just April. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole journey was was absolutely wonderful, especially since that, uh, you know, Chelsea game, the 2-2 uh, at the beginning of January. It was, uh, you know, we, we won every other game apart from two and even those two, we were unlucky in the league and it was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch um, you know how 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 well everybody you know dug deep, and um, you know it was it was it was it was terrific. It was a terrific season that I'm still, as I say, digesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And Mike, it's one of those, isn't it? Where as Owen said, there it's it's one of the greatest Liverpool squads and, and sides of, of all time. But I, I suppose by and large, this squad's been together now for four or five seasons, right at the top of their game. But I think when we look back on that 21-22 season in years to come, it will go down as as one of the greatest, albeit neither the Premier League nor Champions League were delivered. 
but to play in every single game possible and to take everything as fine and close to the line as Liverpool did it was, was absolutely incredible. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, if you'd have if you'd have offered me that at the start of the season that you're going to win two domestic cups, you're going to get to a Champions League final and take it down to the last fifteen minutes in the league. You know, of course you'd have bit bit someone's hand off for that. Um, it has been a magnificent season. This team will always be remembered. Um, I, I do feel like it felt like an anticlimax towards the end of the season in terms of not winning the league, not winning the Champions League. Um, you know, going to the parade, it was brilliant um, to obviously see them off and thank them for winning the two cups and, and doing what they have done. But it has left a slight sort of sour taste to the end of the season, only winning the two. Um, you know, you want to be greedy. You want to sort of have your cake and eat it and win all four. And obviously, there's a reason why the quadruple's never been done because it's such a difficult thing to do. Um, especially in this day and age, we've got this many games. Um, you've got the midweek games and the weekend games. And you have to have a squad that can compete on all fronts for this. And I think that's almost been the sort of interesting thing about last season that we have. You know, we've never really progressed in the domestic cups under Klopp. Um, and whether he thought at the start of the season that, you know, he was going to take them a little... Not necessarily more seriously, but you know, mix the players up a little bit more and play more the first teamers and keep hold of the players like Minamino and give him a chance um, rather than send them on loan. I don't know if that was maybe an idea at the start of the season, but to go that many games um, and just not maybe winning one of the big ones at the end for me was maybe a little sour taste at the end of the season. Obviously. Owen football can never be complete. It continues, it goes on and on and on. And whilst, yes, it would be difficult to stomach not winning one of those big two at the end of the season, do you not, in a perverse kind of way, I think, actually look at it and think, well, that's now the driving factor for Liverpool? Under Klopp so many times, it seems to be near miss, get the job done. Near miss, get the job done. Now, I'm not going to say that Liverpool are going to win the quadruple next season because I think that would be ludicrous to try and predict that in June. But equally, Given they've come so close and they know as a group that they can they can take it as far as they did, surely that hunger is going to just drive them on more. You would hope so. I mean, as you say, no one no one stays still. I mean, Manchester City have signed Holland, which is you know very worrying, really, because um, you know they've they've clearly been missing. Uh, a number nine for a, for a few seasons, really. I mean, Aguero in his latter years was not fit enough, uh, and Gabriel Jesus certainly isn't a nine. So you would think that they were they're going to improve on their ninety three points, even with their squad as it is at the moment uh, next season. So can Liverpool basically do another ninety eight, ninety nine, hundred point season? Well, that would depend what happens this summer. Uh, in terms of the Premier League, whether you know either we we keep hold of Sadio Mane, but if we don't, then I think we need two attackers to replace him: Darwin, Nunez, and someone else. Um, and also, it depends on uh, injuries this season. From you know the from the uh, eight draws we had in the Premier League, I was looking earlier today. Um, six of those draws in the Premier League last season, six out of eight had one factor that was um, exactly the same in all of those drop points and that's Thiago Alcantara missing from midfield so if we're going to challenge next season we we either need Thiago to stay fit all year or we need better cover for when he is out 
because uh, that was a that was a key thing to, for us uh, dropping points last year. So yeah, I mean there were all manner of factors, as you say. It's too early in June to say, but I I do like the idea that just missing out will fire up our some of our stars because I mean they're 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 madly dangerous. They're more dangerous than my neighbour's dog on on the best of days. But you know if if they're fired up as well, if the, if that dog is hungry. Then you know everyone in the whole building has to look out. Yeah, I'd stay away from the the, the neighbour in that case if I were you. But let's let's wait I and try. see what. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I hope you do stay safe. But um, Mike, in terms of kind of Liverpool then and looking at the squad for next season and how it does progress and and even I suppose looking at that PFA team of the year and just how many Liverpool players were in it. Owen mentioning there Thiago and after his first season. I think a number of mitigating factors. Of course, it was it was played out largely behind closed doors. He suffered that horrendous injury against Everton in the Merseyside derby as well. But this year, he really has grown in stature exactly, I imagine, into what Jurgen Klopp was hoping when he brought him into the team. Yeah, I felt really sorry for Thiago um, in the first season that he came in. Even besides the injury, you know... When a Liverpool player comes into this squad and into this football club, you want them to experience the atmosphere. You want, you know, I can imagine the amount of players that go on international duty and they say about, you know, what it's like to play, play at Anfield, even the opposition players, you know, they must hear so many stories. And for Thiago to come in that season and not experience it, it must be really difficult for him. Um, I almost think that sort of hindered Sadio Mane in that season. Um, and that's why we've seen a different Sadio Mane in this season just gone because he feeds off the crowd. Um, and I think Thiago might be the same. Um, I think he felt feeded off the crowd this season. You know, at the end of this end of games, you'd always go up to the fans and you could see how much it meant. I can't remember exactly the game, um, but when we, I mean, it might be he might have scored a goal move on the comeback in a game, and he was giving it the big one to the fans. You know, getting them geared up, and you can see how much it meant to him. And I think that's probably played into his performances this season. Um, yeah, he's been instrumental in the way we play. Um, when he plays alongside Fabinho and Henderson, I think that's our best midfield. Probably doesn't happen very often because one of them tends to get injured. Um, so, you know, seeing those three together more in the future will be interesting um, and more formidable, I think. But yeah, he's been exceptional. Um, Van Dijk getting in that PFA team. I think it's almost gone under the radar that he he's come back from that injury, played the amount of games he has, got into that team. People just expect it because it's Virgil van Dijk. Um, that can't be underestimated psychologically how much how much difficult um, circumstance he's been under there physically. You know the fellow's just a beast, and I can't I can't see how that's just gone throughout the media and not had the sort of praise I think it should have. Yeah, no, definitely that comeback from, as you say, a, a horrendous knee injury, and and yeah, it was it was like he was never away. Thankfully for Liverpool, the post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Let's move towards talking about the events of the summer transfer window. Then, and, and first up, I mean, we'll talk about Sadio Mane. Long term listeners to the post game podcast may well remember on, on one of the number of occasions you burst into song on the podcast, waxing lyrical about Sadio Mane. I think it was a game against Newcastle United at the start of the title-winning season. Just how much, if he is to leave, will you miss him? Um, I don't have any children, but I imagine it would be like when your child leaves home. 
um, empty nest syndrome, they call it, or whatever. Just just some someone that you've absolutely adored having around. Someone who's made your life generally a lot better. Um, and he's now, you know, going away. I mean, I, I, what I'm not going to accept is next year, if anyone from any rival podcast, rival fan, anyone suggests that, you know, like... We, we, we we don't know what we what you you don't know what you've got till it's gone that old line. We know we know how how brilliant Sadio is. We, we we've adored him from day one. From him beating the whole Arsenal defence, sorry guy, and smashing it into the top corner from that very first game for us that he was going to be a super player. He scored twenty goals a season in pretty much every season for us from the wing. He's a he's a Liverpool legend. He's won the lot. He's won everything you can win with Liverpool. And it makes me very sad, sort of forlorn. Uh, you know, I saw um, a Twitter video or on one of the social media about a guy who's who's who was raising a spider monkey that had been wrestled from its mother by poachers. And I imagine that I would feel like the mother of that uh, spider monkey that, you know, just, just forlorn, like something's missing from my life uh, if Sadio does indeed go. And uh, I mean, on, on him, Mike, how much of an error do you think it is Liverpool contemplating letting him go? Obviously, he, Firmino and Salah are all in the, the same situation regarding the one year left on their contracts. But we saw last summer, didn't we? Junie Wijnaldum left and everyone at the time thought, ah, is that quite the right call? The, the midfield then really flourished last season and became something more than what it had been functionally. I'm, I'm not kind of trying to suggest that Nunez or whoever comes in is, is going to be able to replicate what Mane's done immediately. But I suppose it is kind of the way it has to go eventually, that there does need to be a parting of the ways. And in the past, Klopp has kind of proven that he's got that timing right more often than not. Yeah, 100%. I think you can't hold on to players that don't want to be there. Um, and if he doesn't want to be there now, um, you've got to let him go. Um, I think it's very difficult for Liverpool fans and fans in general to sort of hold on to sentimental values of keeping players because they've done really well in the past and because you love them. And of course, you want to you want to keep them forever, but it doesn't work like that. Um, and Liverpool's shrewd business of how they operate in the years gone by just goes to show how well they are good at doing it. Um, I think, you know, the committee and whoever does the deals have got plenty of credit in the bank to sort of trust them. Um, and I think, you know, as long as we're bringing in the right type of player that accommodates us and it's what Jurgen Klopp wants, then I'm absolutely happy. You know, I wouldn't say I'm happy to see Mane go. Of course, I'm not. But in the same breath, I think it's probably the right time for him to leave. Um, if we're going to get the right transfer fee um, and it is somewhere in the region of what we actually bought him for, um, then yeah, I don't have an issue with it. Um Obviously, we've discussed about, and I'm sure we're going to discuss about Darwin Nunes coming in. And I wouldn't say he was the direct replacement for Sadio Mane, um, but I think there's players that are already in the team that can do what Mane has done. Um, and Jota and Diaz obviously coming in in January. Um, so I'm not too disappointed with him leaving, um, so long as he goes for the, you know, the right fee. Um, and you know, we we always want players to leave on a high. Um, I think Divock Origi is obviously leaving on a high. If Minamino goes, 
and Mane as well. You know, they're not going on bad terms, you know, like some players have done in the past. Um, he's won a lot at us. He's done everything. You can never fault his work, right? He's, you know, he's always been professional. And um, I think he'll always be a legend at Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, 100% is certainly of, of being... I, I mean, that the first half of the, the title-winning season before the, the disruption came due to the, the pause and suspension of the league, he was arguably the player of the season. I think scored, what, 14 winning goals that year, if I'm right in saying, for Liverpool in, in the Premier League. I mean, yeah, a, a huge, huge player, a symbol of Jurgen Klopp's early tenure and reign at Liverpool, should it obviously continue for, for many, many more years. He's, he has signed that new contract as well. But oh, in, in terms of Liverpool then moving forward and how they replace Sadio Mane, of course, there's the talk of Darwin Nunez, but as, as Mike said, Luis Diaz already came in in January before that Diogo Jota had come in as well. It doesn't seem as though this next incarnation of Liverpool is replicate the previous version and sign the exact same profile and types of players. Thiago was an upgrade on Genie Wijnaldum, but a different type of midfielder at that. And how many over the last sort of four to six months has moved to being a centre-forward and playing in that role, actually going out and signing a specialist number nine in someone like Nunez makes an awful lot of sense, but it's not trying to just find the new and next Sadio Mane. No, yeah, I mean that's the interesting thing about about Nunez and and his profile. We we were speaking before um, you pressed record about some stats that I found about from fbref.com about Darwin Nunez's uh, pressing and how on all um, defensive stats that they that they measure on fbref.com at stats bomb as well, which is pressing, tackling, intercepting, blocking, clearing the ball, and defensive aerial uh, duels won. Um, Darwin Nunes is significantly better than Sadio Mane on all of them, apart from Ariel's one. Interestingly, considering Sadio Mane's, uh, you know, stature compared to Darwin Nunes, he actually won more in the last year, won more defensive headers than Darwin Nunes, but only just, only by, you know, there was only a little bit of difference in that metric but in in pressing tackling intercepting blocking and clearing darwin nunes is, is is ahead of him in terms of goals darwin nunes is way ahead of uh of sadio mani but you know played in a weaker league of course um but sadio mani was brilliant when he moved into the nine uh so yeah i mean yeah we're, we're getting a different profile someone who's who's even more of a pressing monster even more of a, a defensive harrier uh but he's not as good at, at mani in terms of the touch and the the you know unpredictability with the ball um, going one way, going the other way, keeping the ball under pressure. Sadio Mane is significantly better than Nunes uh, for that. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, that's why I kind of I would like to have a, a Mane profile like a, a Serge Gnabry as well as Nunes, uh, which is probably being a bit greedy. Uh, but uh, because we have to remember as well that in our attack for next season, we've already got Fabio Carvalho and we've got Harvey Elliott coming in, um, who might be played in midfield, but they may also be played as part of the front three. We don't know. So, yeah, I mean, of course, all we can do as fan is, fans is trust them. And uh, we do uh, because they've been absolutely wonderful with their recruitment. So we'll see what happens over the summer. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very exciting start with uh, Darwin Nunez hopefully uh, coming in. 
Yeah, no, it looks looks Mike as though he's very far down the line, and, and Julian Ward out in Portugal trying to get the negotiation for it done. But at twenty two, he, he very much is a diamond in the rough, and Liverpool have, have found such a, a fruitful, I suppose, talent pool in Portugal for for finding these players and really trusting that that league they can convert and, and marry across quite easily. We've, we've seen it quite often recently with, with the Bundesliga. Certain players have come over expecting big things. It's not quite hit. Historically, Holland's kind of been that kind of place as well. But the Portuguese league, it does seem to match up quite well to certainly Jurgen Klopp's system and, and the way he wants to, to, to play it. And I suppose with Nunes, though, he's, he is going to be a diamond in the rough. He is only 22. And really, this year has been his breakout season of really being a, a top goal getter for Benfica. But we did see in the Champions League, not just against Liverpool, but in the round previous as well, that Benfica were by far underdogs, even against Ajax, and weren't having it all their own way. And yet, Nunes himself, single-handedly, seemed to drag Benfica through that tie into taking Liverpool, taking on Liverpool in the, the last eight. Yeah, I, I think he's a really interesting player. He's obviously still very raw. Um, I think people need to be patient with him when he comes into the team. I think it'd be quite interesting next season the fact that you've got the Qatar World Cup um, obviously towards the end of this calendar year. And I think that actually might play into Liverpool's hands and Darwin Nunes' hands in the sense that he, I don't think he's got pressure on him straight away. And I don't think they'll chuck that pressure on him. You know, if he, if he comes into the team and he's scoring goals, of course they'll play him and they'll play him week in, week out. But I don't think just because of the transfer fee, they'll just throw him in at the deep end. Um, I think with the players that are already there in Jota, Salah and Diaz, I think because they've already he's got proven players there that's shown already that they can do a job um, and they're reliable, you can start with those three um, and you won't have to just chuck them in at the deep end. Um, maybe like some other clubs have had to do with maybe like a Kai Havertz and they've just got to chuck them in because they've got to do it. I don't think Liverpool will do that with Nunes. Um and like I say, with Qatar World Cup, you, you've got Diaz who's in Colombia. Obviously, they didn't qualify. Salah of Egypt, they're going to get a nice little rest. So that when he comes back from the World Cup, obviously, you'll go qualifying. He hasn't got to just play. Um, and I think that might play into the Liverpool's hands quite a bit. He's an interesting signing in the fact that predominantly Klopp signings don't play in a fixed position. Um, and by that, I mean that Someone like a man, he can play in the nine, he can play on the left, or Jota, it's very similar. Um, he likes players that can play in alternative positions. Um, Genie Wijnaldum's another one who could play midfield, but before he came towards, obviously, he played on the left-hand side. So he likes players who can um, be utilised in different positions, whereas Nunes, I believe, is more of a fixed nine. I know he can play on the left because he's got quite a lot of pace about him. Um, I've seen a stat that he actually recorded the biggest pace or the fastest pace in the Champions League last season, which people probably won't be aware of and probably won't think of because of his height um, and his stature. But it is quite interesting that he's gone with a number nine um, and that might see us play more of a, maybe more of a 4-2-3-1 next season. Um, I could see that maybe happening in quite a lot of games and maybe we'll be chasing a game. Um I was going to say how exciting to prospect as well of uh, even regardless of if the shape changes, just Trent and Andy Robertson whipping balls into, as you say, a fixed number nine. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Because you look at someone like Jota or Mane, they actually score a lot of headed goals, and um, people don't realise that. And um, 
you know, you look at his stature and you, you'd imagine that Robbo and Trent are going to have a field day whipping them in you know, all day. And a lot of the games, I think it was a Spurs game um, in April, at the end of last season when we drew, we were putting a lot of, not hopeless balls in, but we were hoping someone was going to get on the end of it. Simicash comes on for Robertson the last 15 minutes and he keeps whipping everything in. And maybe they've looked at that and thought that Nunes might be an answer there. Yeah, no, definitely. I know, I know it was one of the underlying kind of things behind the, the Luis Diaz arrival was actually the amount of headed goals he's got. We've not really quite seen it, obviously, at Liverpool just yet, but it, it certainly is a, a key part of the uh, the Liverpool Arsenal in attack. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Owen, I mean, what about pressure then for him? It, it, to me, it, it looks like an investment that, as Mike said, he he maybe won't be immediately thrown in to be the man to to carry the burden. But that said, he's a player who, even at 22, has had to get used to carrying goal-scoring burdens. He's heir apparent at Uruguay to not just Luis Suarez, but Edinson Cavani as well. He's been playing for one of the top clubs in Portugal, and it looks like could be arriving for for potentially club record money at Liverpool. Surely, from what we've we we know and have seen so far, he'll just brush that off and just crack on with with what he needs to do. It looks that way, and hopefully, I mean, there's that uh, Uruguayan expression, isn't there? Garacharua if you forgive my pronunciation, which is very hard to translate, but it basically is like the spirit of the warrior and, you know, playing with playing, doing everything you do with fire and with passion and these kind of players, you know, it's not like a, he's not like a flair player, you know, like Veron was back in the day for, for Manchester United or, you know, these, these players where, you know, maybe they, they don't have the, the fighting spirits. You could see after just two minutes of the game against Liverpool that he, he had it. What, what, he reminds me of actually was when Didier Drogba came uh, to Anfield when he played for Marseille and um, he absolutely, you know, destroyed Hippier and Carragher at the back. And it was like, wow, who the heck is this guy? And I was so disappointed when he joined uh, Chelsea, as lots of other Liverpool fans were, uh, because, you know, it was obvious that he was he was going to be a big star, you know. And uh, I think it's the same with with Darwin Nunes. Um, yeah. And one, one more stat that people people might not you know, pay pay much attention to or have noticed was that actually in terms, he's actually very, very, very clinical. Um, so he's in the 97th percentile for goals scored, non-penalty goals scored, but he's actually only in the 36th percentile for the amount of shots that he's taken. So he doesn't take that many shots. So you think with Robertson and Trent and other people, Fabinho and, you know, with, with those chip balls over the top and all that kind of stuff, all of our amazing ways that we can create for him, he should, he should, you know, get a hat full, hopefully. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting to see how it does play out. Do keep across the Liverpool Echo website for the latest developments on Liverpool closing in on the signing of Darwin Nunes. But even before that one's already wrapped up, Mike, as we do with football and, and transfers in particular, let's indulge. I'll ask you both the same question. Following that potential arrival that looks like it will get rubber stamped, what else do you want to see Liverpool do this summer? Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, I think there will be some outgoings. Um, I made a little list here of potential outgoings that I think might happen. Um, I could see Oxley Chamberlain leaving in the summer. Um, 
it's a tough one for him because I think there's players there in your Harvey Elliott and obviously Carvalho coming in, maybe even Curtis Jones. They're got, they've obviously got more game time. Um, and I think at the age that they're at compared to Ox, I think rightly so. Um, I think Southampton away was a really interesting one at the end of the season uh, where Oxley chamberlain didn't play any part. And I think that was telling that he's probably going to leave. Um, Minamino, I know, has been touted for leaving. Um, I'd be disappointed with Minamino going. Um, in this, I, I mean, if it was last summer, I wouldn't have been. But I think this season he's really shown us that he can play a part. And um, obviously, he got top goal scorer in both cups that we won for Liverpool. And you know, that's really, really good achievement. I can't underestimate how much of a good achievement that is. Um, but I think if the fee is right, and I mean, it's been touted around seventeen million with a lot of clubs being interested, you know, you probably would look at that. Probably, you probably will be going um, with a potential uh, arrival of Connor Bradley coming in from Aberdeen. That would maybe see Nico Williams leave. Um, he w- obviously wants to play week in, week out to play for Wales. Obviously, we've discussed Mane, and I think the two centre backs in Nat Phillips and Ben Davies will probably head off. And I think that gives us a little bit of money to play with there, um, alongside what we've already potentially spent on Darwin Nunes asking me about players that I'd like to see come in. I really think Liverpool need to bring in a player that can get goals from midfield. Um, I think we've always hoped that Naby Keita might be that player uh, or he might offer it a little bit more. Um, I don't think we've got goals from midfield, to be quite honest. Um, and I know, obviously, Klopp's team, usually, he will play um, players that will harry around and, you know, the workman players. But I do feel like when the forwards aren't on fire, as it was, you do need someone who can contribute. Um, I, I'm a big advocate of Lucas Paqueta. Um, and anybody that hasn't seen him, um, I would encourage going and have a look at him. He plays for Leon. He was at AC Milan previously. Yeah, he's a Brazilian, like a number 10, can play off the striker. He can form part of the front three, but can play midfield too. I, I, I'm a big advocate for him. He's almost plays like, like Kaka. Um, I don't know what it would be to sort of command a fee from from Leon. Um, Jude Bellingham's obviously a player that everyone, every Liverpool fan would love. Um, transfer fee is probably unrealistic, especially with Haaland leaving. I can't see him doing both this summer. Um, maybe a player like a, someone like Juan Alden, you know, maybe like a Pesuma at Brighton or Sangari at PSV, Lucas Barella. Um, uh, in a Milan, or maybe in Yuri Tielemans, I'd like to see come in. Um, prior to obviously Darwin Nunes' um, arrival, I thought maybe Klopp might have gone with a, a direct replacement for Mane. It's maybe someone like a Dan Juma at Villarreal or Rafinha at Leeds. Um, Cuckoo's another one at Leipzig that can play in midfield but play in the front. But I think predominantly now we've got Nunes done, I think, someone who can get goals from midfield. Yeah, it'll be interesting, won't it, Owen? Of, uh, I mean, Jude Bellingham has been a name that a Liverpool have, have have looked at, but equally with Dortmund and the policy they have for, for letting players go, you can't see that happening. Equally, if Liverpool are spending club record money on Darwin Nunez, you, you can't equally probably envisage another big, big name signing. may well be wrong, and Julian Ward in his first summer in the job might think, you know what? I'm going to go for it, lock, stock and everything and throw everything at it. But what would you like to see? Do you think midfield equally is is kind of the priority? It does seem as though Calvin Ramsey from from Aberdeen at right back would come in. That would be him, Carvalho 
and Nunes. I mean, how many more do you think Liverpool do need? Um, I agree with Mike in that we, we could do with goals in midfield, but I think Fabio Carvalho, a mix of him and Harvey Elliott, can can already provide that. Um, I've been wanting for, 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 for years now, actually, um, a defensive midfielder, because um, a number six type, because I'm not having it that Henderson is a number six. Uh, His tackling is like one of the worst in Europe, if you look at the stats, which is surprising for for many people. He's only in the seventh percentile for tackles. Um, and he's he's he was worse than that in years before that. He's he's brilliant at certain things, Jordan Henderson. I'm not having a go at him or anything because he's very very good at temp keeping the tempo, progressive passes, that kind of thing. But he's definitely clearly a number eight, and he gets lost in the number six. The number six is such a specialist position, and you know we need another specialist because we suffered without Fabinho. We really did when he didn't play as well, or when Fabinho was was a little bit tired as well. Um, you know, in the, in those couple of games. Then, then, then we we also suffered then. So, someone someone with dynamism, you know, can take kind of profile. As for who it is, um, I think uh, I, I, I've I've had a theory for for a number of years now where um, you, you you can think of all of the football players in the world in a sort of pyramid. And at the, the top point of the pyramid, you have players that are guaranteed and everybody knows them and they're guaranteed to make your team better, a la Haaland, a la Mbappe. Um, if you need a goalkeeper, you sign someone like Alisson or Courtois or someone like that. They're just brilliant players that everybody knows. But then below that, you've got this second tier where you can have players who are almost as good as these absolute geniuses, or maybe even as good. But 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 they're but they're like hit and miss players, you know. Sometimes they they really work, and sometimes they don't. But they but they're just like they're just not quite world class yet. So they will be in a couple of years. So you think about Kante when he joined from Conte Leicester for eight million. And you think about Manchester United shelling out a hundred million on Paul Pogba, who could have become an amazing world-class midfielder, but didn't, but failed quite spectacularly. And I think on this second level of the pyramid, there are maybe 200 players across the entire world who may well become brilliant or may well not. And their price range ranges from 8 million to 100 million. And I completely trust our analytics department to find someone in that second level who is a defensive midfielder. And whether they splash the cash or not, because we surely will have the cash, considering how little we've spent net over the last few years, remains to be seen. But I fully trust Julian Ward and everyone at Liverpool to get that decision right. But please, 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 a number six to cover for Fabinho would be ideal for me. I think, I think that sorry, I think that player was going to be Tukameni, wasn't it? Uh, from Monaco, obviously Real Madrid have obviously blew us out of the water with that transfer fee that he's gone with. I think you are right, Owen. I think a player of they can play in the six, but is at that age that Tukameni is at as well that he can you know be develop watching someone like Fabinho. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think Tukameni would have been a great signing for us as well, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I, the thing with Fabinho as well, though, is he, I, I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but he does seem to pick up an injury or two each season. And he, out of keeping with a lot of the other Liverpool players, he always seems to be slower to get back to his rhythm 
than other players. A, a Mane or a Salah, if ever they miss games, they come straight back in and they're, they're firing on all cylinders once again. But Fabinho does sometimes need, as you say as well, well Owen, maybe even some rest at times as well when he gets tired because nine times out of ten he, he, he's faultless, but then he may all of a sudden just slide performance level bit and it does affect the rest of the team. I do do think that's an interesting one. Owen, did you say before, I know you mentioned uh, Serge Gnabry at one stage as well, but are you of the, the idea that Liverpool do need another forward player then? I mean, not to be greedy, but yes. <laughs> uh, you know. But I think Luis Diaz, it showed, didn't it, having that strength in depth of a squad is the reason Liverpool could compete as much as they can. And let's not forget from next season, the five substitutes are back, so you can have a bigger squad. Yes, and hopefully people will, uh, you know, the players themselves can learn that it's actually, you know, take a leaf out of Devok's book, that it's actually all right to sit on the bench and get however many thousand a week and uh, just try your best when you come on and don't kick up a fuss. Hopefully that attitude can can uh, can, can spread amongst the, amongst the players. But uh, no, I think we, we, we are missing... With if Sadio goes, we, we're missing great pace. Um, you know, we're losing someone with great pace, and I think Darwin Nunes might have it. But I, 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 I think you can never have enough pacey attacking players. So you know, pacey, tricky guys. So Serge Gnabry would be ideal, or someone else who can just you know be brilliant. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Well, chaps, that is all we do have time for as we look back there at the end of the season. Spoke about the uh, Sadio Mane and Darwin Nunes transfers and also looked ahead to what is left to come through the course of this summer. Of course, the post-game podcast as is, we'll be back at the start of the new season. We may well have another episode or two of these with our Reds regulars through the course of the off-season to chat about what is going on with the Reds. But from myself, Guy Clark, Mike Holt and Owen Thomas, thanks for your time and your company. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.